Good morning, everybody. This is Bubba's Bodyguard Podcast. I am blessed to have Jacob Day, Mayor of Salisbury, Maryland, along here with me. Mayor, how are you doing this morning? Bubba, I'm great. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm, I'm doing great myself. Thank you so much. Can you kind of um, just briefly summarize uh, about where you're from, a little bit about your upbringing, and eventually how you uh, become mayor of Salisbury, Maryland? Sure. Um, so I'm from right here in Salisbury, uh, born and raised. My, uh, my grandfather in the 1970s moved my, um, uh, excuse me, the 1960s, uh, moved my uh, uh, father uh, and his brother and sister and, and my grandmother here as a pastor of Parkway Church of God. And uh, mm-hmm. he pastored several churches in the Salisbury and Easton area um, for the next 50 years uh, or for 45 years um, until his passing. And, um, you know, I, I uh, was raised uh, in a household where um, my mom was um, a, a part-time teacher um, at Asbury Child Development Center. My dad uh, worked at Purdue uh, where he still works. He's the CEO there today. Um, but you know, when I was a little kid, he was a, a brand new sales associate there. Um, and, uh, sort of worked his way uh, up from there. Um, my experience was, uh, you know, pretty normal experience growing up around here, boy scouts and soccer, uh, you know, riding bikes in the neighborhood. And, uh, I lived not far from Salisbury university, just a couple blocks from there. Um, and, and, uh, lived on an interesting street. Um, at, at one point in time, uh, there were three different candidates for mayor who lived on uh, Forest Lane. Um, there was uh, two city council presidents, um, uh, one successful mayor, um, meaning they were successfully elected mayor. Uh, so a very politically active street. And I don't know if that had an impression on me. This is literally the first time I think I've ever strung that sentence together. So I don't, well, I don't know if that had a uh, an effect on me or not. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was certainly aware of it. But the way my household worked as a kid was, I remember when uh, two of the uh, residents of that street, Carolyn Hall, who was the council president at the time, and Barry Tillman, uh, who lived next door, um, I remember when they decided to run for mayor against one another. My, my dad came home one day, closed and locked the door and said, we're not opening that till the election's over. Um, we were in a politically uh, 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 abstinent uh, uh, house. We, we didn't uh, participate much in, in local politics. I didn't hear much about it. Um, but I was very interested in current events and uh, national politics. Uh, you know, my, my parents uh, always made sure we watched the news in the morning and uh, read National Geographic and Time magazine and kind of knew what was going on in the world and uh, had a, an atlas on the, uh, the kitchen table, the breakfast nook uh, that we looked at every morning and talked about the world. And uh, I'm sure all of that influenced me in some way. So eventually I left town, uh, went to University of Maryland, studied architecture. I, I wanted to, to design buildings and cities and um, got a degree in architecture and then went on to work as the president of the American Institute of Architecture Students, uh, uh, an advocacy and membership organization for architecture students. Um, and, uh, and after that, went back to school, uh, got a master's degree in urban design from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, uh, sort of furthering my focus on cities, and, uh, and then went on to get a master's degree at um, Oxford University in environmental policy, uh, focused on uh, the built environment. Um, and then I, I came home, uh, found a job um, in the area, working uh, um, as uh, a planner for the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy and eventually 
uh, founded the Center for Towns, where we helped small towns all over the Eastern Shore uh, design and uh, plan for b- brighter futures for themselves. Um, and then uh, in the midst of that, decided uh, I wanted to live out a childhood dream and join the Army. So I, I went and did that for a while and, um, you know, eventually found myself you know, back in Salisbury uh, wanting to help make a difference ran for city council, became city council president, and uh, before you know it, uh, saw an opening and ran for mayor. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, congratulations on your master's and uh, thank you for your service in the military. Um, Mayor, what did it mean to you? uh, You know, you you grew up in the area and then to become mayor, what what did that mean to you? Well, you know, I I remember at times at uh, North Salisbury Elementary School in the, uh, Mm the TAD program and um, talking to my teachers and mentors there, um, I remember at times, um, you know, having conversations about the mayor and being the mayor and running for mayor one day, and uh, that sort of being this wild aspiration. Um, but I didn't, you know, there was never a point in time where I lived my life thinking that that was going to become a reality. So uh, right. I simply, I love this place. I love the Eastern Shore and Delmarva. I wanted this place to be better. I still want it to be better every day. I, I try to make a, a positive impact. And um, so it means it means a lot to to be in a position uh, where I can have a positive impact on my community. And um, and it really is uh, uh, powerful to me to think that this is where I'm raising my children and that I can help to make it a, a healthier place for them. Absolutely. And obviously throughout your journey, uh, whether it be uh, in college and, and, you know, serving as mayor and uh, different things that that it may be, you've learned a lot. But if you could just pinpoint one thing, Mayor, what what was the the most important thing you've learned so far throughout your journey in life? Well, um, you know, there there are so many ways that I could answer that question from a Mm -hmm. technical perspective, uh, you know, an academic perspective. But one of the most important things that, that I've learned in life that I feel like I, I have to reiterate for people, um, especially in this world of, of uh, divisiveness, not only over the coronavirus issues, but politics, you know, mm-hmm. that relationships matter. And the way, right. the way you treat people um, will not be forgotten. Um, and so if you, if you make people feel like they don't matter and you ignore them and you, you don't listen, um, you know, people will remember that. And so I encourage people often not to take their positions for granted um, mm-hmm. that I work with and to remember that, um, you know, one day you may count on that person uh, that you just made feel small um, to to help you. So um, you know, never, never think that a relationship is something to be thrown away or, or ignored. Absolutely. And uh, what would you say it was a time uh, throughout your life? It could have been, uh, you know, somewhere in your journey, could have been college, somewhere as mayor, like a a roadblock that you uh, faced and you maybe you felt, wow, you know, I can't get past this adversity or I can't get past this situation. And how did you get past it, mayor? Um, Well, I've certainly faced um, lots of uh, challenges and adversity. Um, No, I don't want to claim that I've had some hard life. I mean, uh, many times I think uh, I, I've created my own adversity. You know, I mean, we, we are we are sometimes our own worst enemies. You know, I think back to a time in college where, um, you know, f- it was freshman year of college. I had just started at the University of Maryland School of Architecture. Um, I was headed toward um, the freshman year. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was sophomore year. 
um, are headed into the program, which would begin in junior year, the the official architecture program. Um, so you have to be admitted after your your sophomore year. And freshman year, I did okay. But sophomore year, I was starting to lose focus. And um, you know, there were a number of things going on. I I uh, had a bout with mono, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, typical things that that a kid deals with. But but mostly, I, I just was not buckling down like I should, um, mm-hmm. enjoying my fraternity brothers and, um, enjoying the college experience and, and just, you know, doing okay, but, but not living up to my potential. And I remember that, you know, my, my father came up and, and talked to, uh, the Dean and they I, they sat me down. I'll never forget it. Never in my life did I dream I'd be in that setting. And the two of them looking at me saying, what's your problem? We know you can do better than this. And, um, it was just one of those moments where, you know, nobody's, nobody's coddling you anymore. Nobody's going to wrap their arms around you. You know, they're just saying, you know, you are not living up to your potential, do better. And, um, it, it was a shock to my system. Uh, it was embarrassing. And, uh, it was one of those moments where it was like, okay, here we go. Giddy up. We got to focus. And, uh, um, I'll admit I, I did a lot less socializing the rest of college and, um, you know, my, I think my, my grades, while they were pretty good, uh, really, you know, started to shine in graduate school, uh, you know, straight A's in grad school, I, you know, felt, felt like I finally understood how to focus and, um, you know, maybe part of that's natural, but, uh, and every, every young person probably needs to find that some way that kick in the pants. Mm-hmm. That's how I found my kick in the pants. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I appreciate, you know, your, your, uh, your strong insight on that. Uh, what would you say, obviously you've had some, some very high accolades, some proud moments in life. What was your proudest moment throughout your journey? Oh man. Um, you know, there, there are some pretty neat moments that I've had. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my, my personally most important moments have, uh, really all been associated with my daughters. Uh, I have, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old Lily and Olivia, and, uh, it's just, uh, it's really cool to watch your kids grow and change and, um, uh, they're, they're every day they make me laugh and, um, they, they are a reflection of the best of you. And, and right. You. Um, and it's always entertaining to see yourself and two little people. Um, but, but I would say, um, you know, I've had some really, uh, fun moments. Uh, I felt really good about, uh, you know, throwing out the first pitch in an Orioles game. And, um, it's been thrilling to stand in the center of our downtown among, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people at a time for the National Folk Festival, bringing that here um, feels like <laughs> such a victory. Um, but, you know, the the, uh, the the moments where I think I will always look back to um, are, you know, the day that we announced that we were um, becoming uh, a housing first city, a city that houses its chronically homeless. And we're the only city in America with less than a quarter million people uh, that does that. So we're a very, very small city to be doing that kind of work. Um, but we've, we think it's important and we think it's the only way to solve homelessness. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I'll never forget, you know, as a kid who drove up Route 13, I'll never forget, um, you know, standing at the intersection of Church Street and Route 13, where where once there was the you know, sex style store, um, you know, I, I think a, a detraction from our community at the very epicenter of, um, you know, the, the busiest intersection in our city um, and what is now a legacy monument to um, to some of the most uh, 
well-known leaders of the Church Street and, um, and Doverdale neighborhoods and, and West Side neighborhoods in, in our city's history. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Mayor, uh, what, what are some things you're currently working on and what can we expect to see from uh, Mayor Day in, in the near future and in the future? Well, um, so let's see, things that I am currently working on. Uh, <laughs> so much of our attention is on uh, COVID-19 and rebuilding. Um, but, but, you know, the show must go on, uh, you know, last night, um, I, I was glad to learn that the council approved, um, the acceptance of a, um, a grant and lease, uh, agreement to put, um, electric charging stations, uh, downtown. Um, we, uh, I am excited that there are about, um, 20 major developments that continue to move through the approval process. We have a record number of annexation requests into the city right now. Um, that's all, you know, I think really good news for the future. Um, we are uh, actively working on expanding our port. Um, you know, and these, these are sorts of things that present economic opportunity for uh, the months and, and years ahead when we're going to be fighting for opportunity for um, uh, economic growth. And then one thing that's consuming a lot of my time right now is we have uh, um, right before the COVID-19 crisis started, um, we had a breach of security in our property room at Salisbury Police Department. And um, <laughs> it's led to a series of investigations, most of which are now complete. And on March 6th, we actually had a press conference plan that's now almost two months ago, uh, where we were going to announce not only the results of some of those investigations, um, the status of those investigations, as well as uh, a whole package of criminal justice reform initiatives at the mm -hmm. local level. And I'm excited about that because, you know, we're, we're a city whose police agency has spent 10 years focused on building trust. And you can see how quickly it's lost. Um, in just a mm -hmm. moment by one person doing something wrong, um, trust can be lost uh, and violated. So we we are um, we are spending the months uh, to come. The, the next few months, we will be spending uh, talking about the process of rebuilding trust. Um, and I think that's I think that's important. Uh, it's the sort of thing that uh, without that without that trust, I think we could see um, a uh, an inversion um, in the crime rate. You know, we've had. 11 years of slowly declining crime, which has resulted in an over 50% reduction in crime, and the um, which is which is tremendous. Now, you know, nationally, <laughs> over a decade, we've seen a declining crime too, but not at that rate. Uh, so I think mm -hmm. uh, the last thing we want is to see a reverse, and the way that the way that it would reverse, let me tell you, would be to lose trust in people. Uh, or to lose for people to lose trust in their police department. So we've got a lot of work to do there, um, but I'm ready to talk about it and we will be soon publicly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you touched on, uh, you know, the, the trust with uh, the community and the police and, and vice versa that, you know, that, that the, uh, the bridge is gap per se. What, what else can you attribute to uh, the decreased crime rate? Is it, uh, is it heavier policing? Is it, uh, you know, you touched on trust there. Uh, what are some other uh, tactics or, or uh, some insight that, that you felt uh, that is helpful that, that has got that rate down? Well, from? you know, let me, uh, while I'm talking, I'm going to pull up the, uh, mm -hmm. the crime stats. Um, Yes, sir. So um, 
you know, you can clearly see that the, um, mm-hmm. the, the trend reverses after years of rising through the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s to a peak. Um, and there were, there were two previous peaks, 1986 and 1996. We saw um, some peaks that were very high um, and then, then mm-hmm. some slightly decreased uh, periods. But then in 2009 and 10. Um, it was incredibly high. I mean, we we peaked, we crested 3,000 part one crimes per year and think the city had fewer people then than it does today. Um, but we we crested over 3,000 part one crimes per year. Uh, last year, we got that down to 1,696, uh, I think it was. Um, and I'll pull that up to be sure. Um, but but you know, we went uh, until, until two weeks ago, we had gone 23 months uh, without a homicide in Salisbury. Uh, I'm sorry, 1,695, not 1,696 part one crimes in the city. Um, and it's been declining uh, virtually every year um, between 3 and 10% per year um, since 2010. So um, I, I think you can attribute much of that to the person that arrived in uh, in 2010, and that's Barbara Duncan. Yes, sir. So she came here, and her focus was on building community connections. It was about community policing. Now, not every police officer likes hearing that. Um, people see it as, oh, that's soft. That's that's not the right approach. We need to get out there and, you know, and be tough. Um, but it is tough. And and it's it doesn't reduce the level of being tough on crime. It just means that you aren't committing mm-hmm. crimes are more willing to pick up the phone. And one of the best indicators is calls for service. So calls for service have skyrocketed over that time. So we see more people mm-hmm. willing to pick up the phone and what it results in is more people picking up the phone when they're worried about something rather than when something had already happened and so we're seeing a mm-hmm. decline in crime and an increase in calls for service which is very very good news um the other thing i'd say is yes there's been an increase in police uh the single biggest increase as council president we amended the mayor's budget in uh, 2016 um, and added, uh, excuse me, 2015 and added 16 officers to the street. Ten new positions moved six officers from behind desks out to the street uh, and 16 new police officers. So that was the single biggest increase in law enforcement that Wicomico County, uh, that our region had ever seen. Um, so I think that that mm-hmm. helps. Um, but you know, it it didn't. That's not where the decline began. The decline began. Uh, when trust building began. And and I'd also add this is that um, it also seems to align pretty neatly to economic growth. Uh, you know, when you go through a recession, um, things tend to spike. And when when you come out of it, things tend to get better. Uh, so I, I don't want to I don't want to take any credit away from the police, but the economy certainly helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate, you know, your your in-depth uh, insight on that. And, uh, you know, that's definitely, uh, you know, something to be very proud of to, uh, you know, reduce the crime in, in the area and make, you know, things as safe as they can possibly be. And just, you know, provide people with that peace of mind. And like you said, that that complete trust with one another. Uh, Mayor, what would you say? Um, how can we get past this COVID-19 time? What are some, uh, you know, uh, s- some things that, that we can really do to ensure us uh, that we get back to normal? Well, I think a big part of it is going to be adhering to the things that are are already being put into place, the social distancing and masks. Mm-hmm. But but I think the governor himself recognizes, Governor Hogan recognizes that um, that we may not be able to wait uh, until um, mm-hmm. the virus is gone. And, and in fact, we know we can't. So what we what we need in place is 
uh, increased test, increased <coughs> contact tracing, uh, increased uh, hospital capacity, um, and increased PPE supply. And, and those four things, as they get um, as they get solidified in place, I think we will be able to see our economy reopen. And and it's so important that it does. The longer it's uh, the longer our economy is is on ice, um, the uh, the worse off. Um, the recovery is going to be, or the longer the recovery is going to take. So it's so important that we um, that we get this in place now, uh, that we um, uh, get the PPE that we need uh, to uh, keep our critical functions of government going, and to get our essential businesses um, at full capacity. Uh, meaning, you know, restaurants and uh, grocery stores and uh, Walmart. And the only way we're going to get there is, you know, again, increasing access to those things. And uh, and it's it's absolutely critical that um, that we do that right this minute. And I've seen progress on all four of those things from Governor Hogan. Um, all all four of those things that uh, he's made progress on access to PPE, um, increasing hospital capacity through a variety of orders, um, the um, the. Uh, uh, increased testing capacity. And I, you're going to be hearing more about that in the Salisbury area very shortly. Yes, sir. And uh, Mayor, what would you say, uh, you know, when you're not uh, doing your functions as mayor, what are some hobbies you enjoy to do? Is it, you know, going to a shorebirds game? Is it going to the mall? What are some things? You well, love to do? Um, I, I, I do. Uh, I am notorious for working too much, um, but, but right. I do. Uh, I do enjoy uh, playing with my girls, playing with my kids. Um, you know, that, that's a, a big uh, part of my time. Um, and, uh, um, so playing with the girls, you know, whether it's in the backyard or, uh, you name it, that's, uh, that's a big part of my time. Um, uh, yes, we love going to shorebirds games. Uh, we like to travel a little bit. We like to go to the beach. Uh, mm-hmm. so can't wait for that to happen as soon as possible. Um, yes. Oh, and, uh, you know, I, I do spend a little bit of time in my other job. Um, you know, I, I'm still uh, in the Army, uh, Army National Guard now, and um, that's what I do uh, uh, on certain weekends and, and uh, have certain trips associated with that. Y- yes, sir. Absolutely. And um, we'll, we'll go off topic here for a moment, uh, Mayor, and we'll get back into things. Recently, I was named an ambassador for Bodyguards Against Bullying. What is your message against bullying, Mayor? Wow. Uh, well, that, that is so important. Um, and I'm glad you brought up uh, bullying. So we are uh, in Salisbury, the first uh, world kindness city um, in the United States. So uh, world kindness cities are, are popping up all over the world, but now they have uh, come to the U.S. And, um, you know, right. my message is this, is that, like I said about relationships, um, the, way, the way we treat other people, um, it, it speaks to how we feel about ourselves. Um, I think it is also indicative of, of um, you know how we carry ourselves, and folks that mistreat someone today uh, are are probably only shortchanging themselves in the future. Um, so um, my message to bullies uh, is is this: is that um, whatever whatever it is going on in your life that's brought you to this place, uh, mistreating mm-hmm. others is never going to make you better or happier or stronger or anything like that. And it takes a strong person to be kind to. To others uh and i think you can speak to that for sure um right. so yes, uh, so i would just say that you know as a city um when i ran for uh city council it was my objective to eliminate much of the uh 
divisive, angry rhetoric um, that existed. Uh, and I, I think that it's incredibly important that we um, that we continue that in our daily lives, that we push that message into our daily lives, that that angry, uh, divisive rhetoric and, and, and mistreating others and speaking down to others is never going to make us stronger as a community, uh, as an individual or as a nation. Yes, sir. And I appreciate, you know, your your deep insight, your strong message on that. We'll get back into things here, Mayor. Uh, what would you say um, was the strongest? We touched on, uh, you know, like the, the thing you probably learned most in life. But what, what was the best piece of information a mentor gave to you? Oh, uh, there, there's a couple. Can I share more than one? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. sir. Absolutely. Um, they all kind of have to do with, uh, with, with tough positions that leaders find themselves in. And, and number one uh, was uh, bad news doesn't get better with age. Um, you know, a lot of people are scared to tell their bosses bad news. Um, and uh, that's that's usually because bosses don't receive bad news well. <laughs> and, and the, the right. lesson for the lesson for um, for for somebody who uh, finds himself working for someone and has bad news is is, you know, be honest, be upfront and do it quick. Um, and the lesson for leaders uh, who find themselves in supervisory positions is is receive bad news well. Um, you know, when somebody comes to you with bad news, if you fly off the handle, they're not going to want to come to you next time. Um, and then they're going right. to start telling you what you want to hear. And that's never a good situation. to be in. Um, so I would just say, uh, you know, that that dynamic, both sides of it are important lessons. And then when uh uh, one of the pieces of advice, best pieces of advice I ever got was just be calm when confronting a crisis, um, presenting calm, calm when confronting a very challenging situation is so important. And right now that is more, you know, we're seeing that it's more important than ever. Um, I think it's the sort of thing that we want. Uh, I want all leaders to know as we go through this moment, uh, your employees are looking to you, your family's looking to you. Um, and, and this won't be the last crisis we face. Um, so, so maintain calm as you go through a crisis. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what, what would you say, um, you know, you, you, you touched on it a little bit, uh, um, you know, throughout the podcast and, and, and you, you know, really, uh, can you go a little deeper with it? Uh, you know, the importance of having a good team around you, having good people around you and, and how can you build that good team? Well, uh, you know, I've got a, I think I've got a great team around me here, uh, uh, I've been proud to be a part of great teams um, in my military career and and in other organizations I've worked in. Um, it comes down to it comes down to largely humility. I, if, if you think you're the best and you're the smartest and you're the you're the brightest, um, uh, you're never going to build a good team. You got to build. You got to build right. the way you build a strong team is by recognizing your weaknesses um, and recognizing that. Um, a diversity of opinions and perspectives and talents um, makes the strongest team. Um, if your strength happens to be that you're really good at uh, being decisive and uh, pointing in the right direction and having the overall vision, then maybe you're the right person to lead those teams. But that doesn't make you the expert on every matter that that team will face. And it's important to surround yourself with experts uh, who uh, should have uh, and should keep your respect. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, what what is your advice to uh, you know a young lady, a young man that may be coming across the podcast or would be listening? What is your advice to them to you know one day they have uh, the aspirations or ambitions to be mayor? What is your encouragement to well, them? Well, um, I would say uh, you know be be good at um, whatever you do, and um, you know be good at mm-hmm. that first. Don't worry about how to be a good mayor. Um, I think be be uh, mm-hmm. be an expert in your field. Um, be very good at what you do, and uh, then build relationships. You know, get to know people and and um, build build good, strong relationships with people. And also understand the dynamics and understand what's needed, because not every person is suited for every time. Um, there are there are tons mm-hmm. of brilliant, capable people in Salisbury. Not all of them were suited for uh, being mayor at that time. Um, you know, and, and I think the voters right. believed that I was and. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believed that I was, um, you know, I, I was confident that I was suited for that time, but not every person is suited for every moment. And so know what your city needs, um, know what a moment calls for. I think that's the, the best advice that I could offer. Y- y- yes, sir. And I appreciate that. And lastly, as we get ready to conclude here, Mayor, and, you know, I appreciate again, you know, so, uh, for your time this morning and, uh, for all of your deep insight and, and your wisdom and knowledge, I'll pass things over to you. And if there's any final words of encouragement or any th- last things we didn't get to touch on uh, while you were on the podcast, I- I'll just hand it over to you in this moment. And uh, you can conclude us as you feel. Well, Mayor. let me just say that um, I-, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk and I really appreciate the message um, about, uh, you know, protecting people, not just young people, but protecting people from bullying. Um, and, and I want to suggest to everyone that as we go through these difficult times, there, you're going to find opportunities where uh, you're, you feel like your, uh, your, your wallet is a little emptier of kindness than it might have been prior to uh, this, uh, these difficult moments. You're going through something intensely personal, like the loss of a job, um, whether temporary or permanent. Mm-hmm. You're going through something personal, such as you know, the inability to pay rent or something like that. I mean, this is stressful. Uh, but I would say, remember that um, as with any season, this season too will transition. And um, walk into this with the same grace and kindness and love for others that you possessed before this, and you'll walk out of it a stronger person mm-hmm. for it. Absolutely. And Mayor, let people know where yeah, they can keep in touch. Uh, you can you. always reach me uh, through Facebook. Um, so uh, Mayor Jake Day or uh, Jacob Day, either my personal or uh, my mayor page. Um, you can uh, always call here. Um, I'm going to give my cell phone number. You can always call me at 443-235-6233. I like to uh, put that out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not always the fastest to respond. I get a lot of message, but I, but I promise I will eventually respond. Um, and, uh, uh, you can email me at, uh, Jacob at jacobday.com. Um, and, um, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram too. If there's your, if that's your fancy, you know, try to be everywhere I can. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And again, uh, it was an extreme honor to have you on and thank you for everything that you do for, uh, the city of Salisbury and for what well, thank you now. and, uh, appreciate you very much and, uh, do take care and, uh, I'll be well through this, uh, Bubba, appreciate all you're doing. Yes, sir. And, uh, same to you Bye-bye. and your family. Take care. Bye-bye.